Today on the podcast, I have the founder of Mad Man Inc. and executive producer, Adriana Madrigal. She is amazing. She's worked with Christina Aguilera's Liberation Tour in Vegas, the Experience Las Vegas Residency. She did the legendary season one and season two, Gwen Stefani, Let Me Introduce Myself. She's done The Voice, NBC's Today, Fallon, BBC, Gwen Stefani's Slow Clap, Kimmel, Good Morning America, Ellen, Mark Anthony, NBA All-Star Games, 2009 to 2018, NBA Entertainment Promos, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, just to name a few. She is on the show today, guys, and she's going to be telling all about how she got into the music industry and how she is doing it every day, not only in the music industry with all of these people, but as a mom and as a wife. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay, guys, like if I were a spritz of organicness and beautiful smells and everything, this would be it. You have to check out this company. Please go over there right now. I'm literally in heaven. It's youneedtherhappy.com. And she has these three amazing spritzers. She's a certified master flower essence therapist. She has come up with Calm the F Down go the F to sleep. And her last one is rise the F up. I mean, come, this is screaming Meredith. And right now you can go over there for 20% off your entire purchase using code Meredith 20. And she also does a subscribe and save. So after you use your code Meredith with 20 for 20% off from there on out, you can use a subscribe and save for 15% off every month order. So you can spray this in your room, pillow, office, whatever, just let that shit go. So now that everyone has heard your amazing bio resume, it speaks for itself. What you're doing is breathtaking. It's bizarre. It's amazing. It's the flashy light, right? But how did you get started? Thank you so much for being here and telling us your story. This is so cool. Thank you for having me on, Meredith. So how I started, I've always been obsessed with music since I was a kid, extremely musical. And so I always had an inner feeling that somehow, some way I was going to work in music. And as I grew older, managing rock bands was something that I really, really wanted to do. And as I went to college and I realized what the job role was, I realized that One, I was a creative person all along. And two, I didn't want to be someone's babysitter 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's that's managing a rock band. So exactly. Gotcha. So I wanted to work in music and I wanted I wanted to somehow be a part of that creative process, but I didn't know how. And so I got into production by partnering up with a producer to manage rock bands. And our management company kind of went to the wayside because I became immersed in production. I learned I learned how to be a casting director. I wrote director treatments. I sat with, you know, the art director, the production designer. I just completely became immersed in the creative process of producing. And so with that, I started working in commercials, in Hispanic commercials, which is commercials for the Spanish for Spanish language TV marketed to Hispanics US marketed to the US Hispanic market in the United States because you're in Southern California yes at, at this time so you're how old when you're doing all of this stuff and figuring these I things was, out I was about 22 okay and what was your degree in did you go to college for this or like how does this work so I started college and I started college in commu- and majoring in communications. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to just major in communications and then figure it out. And then I realized that UCLA had a music business certification program, which mm. 
for me, a lot of the college classes seemed like a waste of time because it wasn't really teaching me what I was going to do or focusing and what I was going to do. So I started the certification classes at UCLA and I finished that and I met a lot of people through those classes. There was a famous music directors that would come in and teach. Marketing directors from different record labels would come in and teach. And so I was immersed in that world. And I was so excited to be learning the business of music, which brings me to how I discovered visuals for live concerts. I got a job at a production company because I understood licensing. I understood licensing because in the music business program, I had to take business music law. So for a whole semester, I had to read recording contracts and annotate them and understand the law side of the creative side of music. And with that, I understood the process of licensing. So this production company did all the visuals for Madonna, Britney and Christina Aguilera in, I would say it was 2005, six, around Mm -hmm. that time. So it was Madonna's, I want to say, Love on the Dance Floor. Was it, was that the name of the tour? It's with the disco ball. I forget the name of the tour, but I was hired to oversee the licensing for her visuals. Wow. They used a lot of stock footage. And so I had to deal with her lawyers and I had to deal with licensing the footage and the photos that we were using for the visuals. And that's how I discovered that visuals existed for live touring. And so for the first time, my production world and my music world came to be one. And I was completely floored. And while I was at that company, I made it my, my goal to learn everything. I mean, I didn't know anything about post-production, which is what it's called the, in the visual world. Sometimes you you produce the, the visuals and you shoot them, but then most of the time you're in the post-production part of it where you're either sourcing stock footage or stock images to create these new visuals for the songs or- And what we're talking with- about, when we're talking about visuals so that everyone knows, because I know what you do and I hope everyone runs to your Instagram page and sees everything, but- the, these are the the visuals, the movies, the the lights, camera action that's going on behind the artist as they're singing during the entire concert from the start to finish, sometimes even before start. And so yes. it, it creates that that energy that goes with the songs and with the artist and with what is going on in the concert. So when you're talking about post-production, it's how do we bring all of this together? So you, you yes. know what you want, but now it has to all come into be one thing. Exactly. And so it, you know, so you work with animators because a lot of it is motion graphics. Yeah. You work with animators, you work with editors and you work with creative directors. And so at the time, my boss, the man who owned this production company was the most sought after for live concert visuals. He basically, I would like to say is he invented, he invented the wheel. He was the first one to do it. He was the first one to work with Madonna. He did every single tour of Madonna's. He worked with Michael Jackson. I mean, you name it. He, he did it. And I got, I got to go to school there. Yeah. So instead of just having lights or a picture, because that used to be, I remember going to concerts back in what then 90s it was basically a picture or the band's name on a screen and so this guy that you go and work for literally says okay we're going to change the game how about we try this and you were sitting there basically for all of that magic and to learn from yes holy crap and what what was also really i mean as as a Latina girl growing up in Los Angeles, it mm-hmm. was it's it's very hard to come across other Latinos doing amazing things. And he was an immigrant. He was born mm-hmm. in Mexico, started this company, became a director. Madonna took him under her wing and he created the visuals for some of her biggest tours. And to be able to be there and 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 to learn from him from him was a defining moment in my career, because in many ways, if 
he could do it. I can do it. You know, it was, yeah, it's so it was huge. one of those things was where, wow, look at him. You know, he was able to do this. He was able to build this business. That's something that I can definitely do too. I don't think it crossed my mind when I was working there. I was just, I was a sponge. Like I just, I would sit and like talk to him and ask him questions. And he was always very open and telling me stories and just telling me how everything came together, how he started the company. And I got to learn hands-on and most people don't get that opportunity. And, and I did just because I knew how to read contracts, which is the funniest, funniest thing. That's how it all started. It's unbelievable because, you know, when you were talking about the certification program, I mean, if this isn't a stamp of approval to don't look at anything, you know, with your nose in the air and be like, oh, well, it's only this or it's only community college or it's only whatever, because you would have taken thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands dollars worth of classes that you are not going to use. And here, this one class was the key that unlocked all of it for you. And you were spending your time in quality classes, getting this certificate so that you could go on and do exactly what it was that you wanted to do at 20 something years old versus being in debt, $200,000, et cetera. Yes. I mean, there are times where I regret not finishing, you know, like mm-hmm. not really fully finishing, but then there are times where, you know, if I wouldn't have taken the opportunities or if I wouldn't have timing, the Adriana back then was very brave. I mean, <laughs> very brave. I mean, I knew what I wanted. I knew that I knew what I needed to do to get it. And I was not scared to get there. You know, so I didn't, I didn't care who you were. I wasn't intimidated by you. I would ask you questions. I would, I mean, I remember going, you know, even before, like I went to work at this company, there was a manager that managed really big pop artists and I met his assistant. And I remember saying to the assistant, so what do I do to get your job? Because I want your job. Ballsy. I was 21. (laughs) And he looked at me and was like, you want my job? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to come after your job. So like, what do I have to do to like get your job? (laughs) And he's like, well, maybe we should go to lunch first before you steal my job. And, you know, I can talk to you about it. And so he did. And it was just, you know, then he got really intimidated by me because I, At the time, I didn't know that his boss was my cousin's best friend. And so that that intimidated him. Oh, she's really going to come after my job. But she's not joking. This isn't a joke. (laughs) No. And I wasn't. I mean, I was I would have found any avenue I possibly could to like, you know, to be there because that was, you know, I was just so focused on on that goal of becoming a manager. And then when I started to realize what management meant, I was like, oh, this is this is not what I wanted. Yeah, that's like the whole star is born drama. I don't need this in my life. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But but I I think it's so interesting because you do hear people who the Lady Gaga's of the world, the Madonna's of the world, Beyonce, that they had a vision, they had a dream, and then they actually did it. I mean, there are a lot of people that say a lot of things, talk to any, you know, 16 to 24 year old kid person. And, you know, what are you going to be when oh, I'm going to be a lawyer? Oh, I'm going to go to Duke. Oh, I'm going to, you know, be a whatever it is. And follow through is not always there. And so when you do talk to when I'm getting to talk to someone that had their eye on the prize and was relentless as you were to get there and be fearless. What was that in you? Is that something that your parents taught you? Is that something that you just had the blinders on from friends telling you you'll never do that? Like what, where did those blinders come from that you actually believed in yourself? Cause I know you and I have had conversations. It's almost harder to believe in ourselves now in our you know older years. Is it young and dumb? Where's, where'd that come from? My parents were always extremely supportive of who I was. I mean, my first concert, 
I think I was six or seven that I went to. I, I loved this musical pop group from Mexico and my parents stood in line at Knott's Berry Farm, which is an amusement park here in mm-hmm. Southern California. And they were performing there. And so my parents stood in line to take me to see them. And they always were very supportive of whatever grandiose idea I had. My dad would just be like, you know, just present it to me and let's see how well it goes. I mean, there was a time I wanted a, I wanted a orca whale as a pet. (laughs) And I was insistent that our yard was big enough for the tank, for my dad to build the tank and for me to have an orca whale as a pet. And I presented it. I told them how, you know, how deep the tank needed to be. I, you know, my plan for taking care of the orca well. My dad never said no. He just had me present to him the idea. And then his follow-up question was, don't you think that it would be happier free in the sea than in your backyard? Mm-hmm. And I would be like, oh, no, you're right. He's so like, he tossed the ball back to you. He goes, they belong in a pod. You know, you can't, they don't belong in your backyard, you know? And so when he said that, it wasn't his saying no. It was my making the choice that, oh, this isn't going to happen. So (laughs) my parents never, like, there wasn't an idea where they would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was always like, well, show us, show us how you're going to make that happen. Mm -hmm. It was, they always were very supportive in that way. Even now that I'm older, they regret not know, not seeing that creative side in me because they feel that if they would have supported it and sort of helped me out a little bit in it, I wouldn't have struggled so much in school. In your in your K to K through twelve years, gotcha. because I struggled. I struggled. I was the weird kid, you know. Like people didn't. I was also a year younger than everybody else because my birthday's at the end of Halloween. So I'm half October of the time. First. Yeah. (laughs) I was a year younger than everybody else. I never understood what they were talking about, you know? And so I had a really hard time K through, I would say K through eight. When I went into high school, I came into my own and found who I was. And even then, I mean, I remember talking to my best friend and telling her my plans for the future. She thought I was like crazy. Like, how can you go and dream so do big. this yeah yes and even when I was still trying to like make it work for myself I remember she and I were going to a concert together and she said Adriana like we're only getting older like when are you gonna get your shit together and I remember being like but I have my shit together <laughs> you know like yeah. I was so confused by her comment but It wasn't that I didn't have my shit together. It was that I didn't have a job that provided benefits, that Mm. provided a retirement fund, that was nine to five, that was secure, that was going to provide a secure, you know, a secure situation for me. And for her, that was her perfect solution for her in her life. And so... I just remember saying, like, I'm sorry, but like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to stop till I get to where I feel I need to be. And this is definitely not it. And my dad will tell you, you know, I would tell my dad, dad, I got this new job. Are they paying you? (laughs) You know, was always his, are they paying you? And I'd be like, well, not as much as they should be, you know, you're still going to have to help me out a little bit, but trust me that this is going to take me to that next one. And this is going to take me to that next one. And even now he'll say like, who would have known, you know, and because of that, you know, my sister's eight years younger and she's also in production and she, she'll tell people our dad, well, his first question is always great. Are they paying you? I love it. But you know what is so interesting? Cause I'm listening to you talk about your parents and supporting this big grandiose dream and there are so many parents and I have to control myself and I yell at my husband all the time that we manage our kids expectations of what is possible for them 
I want to be, uh, you know, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Michael Jordan. And you're like, well, there's only one of them. And, you know, you're, you're probably going to be five foot ten. And we sit there and we try to manage our kids' dreams and, and steer them into a world of normalcy, into a world of nine to five, into a world of benefits and getting paid right off the bat. Whereas as I've done my life, my daughter just graduated from college and I'm telling her, oh, my God, go go to Europe for three months. Fig- you know, don't you dare get a job like I'm telling her, don't you dare get a job. What a waste of time. D- go do something. You know, you're under your parents health insurance. Go invent a company. You know, don't don't work. And my husband will say stuff to the kids and I'm like, don't put your fears and what you think is possible on our kids, because what was possible for you is not the same possible for them. And what you're telling me is your parents, they knew that they knew that that there's possibility and to not stifle you, at least to not stifle you. Yeah, I mean, even even having conversations now with my mom and talking to my mom, she, you know, my mom is it, it is very rigid you know, she doesn't dance in front of people because she doesn't want people to judge her. Just various things of her personality. And we were just having this conversation the other day. I said, mom, it must have been really hard for you to have me as a child because I was not that. Yeah. I, as a kid, like I, if there was music, I was the one dancing and everyone would join a circle around me. I didn't care who was there. I was enjoying that. I mean, I enjoyed everything. And my mom said, I didn't want you to be stifled like I was every single time I voiced my opinion or I said something, it was knocked down or I was told I couldn't do that or I was told I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And I chose that that's not the way I wanted to raise you. And the same thing happened to my dad. My dad is very musical and my grandfather forbade him. Wow. To do music or to be a singer or a singer songwriter. That was not an option for him. And so I think because both my parents were stifled as children, when it came to their children, they were very strict. But when it came to our dreams and who we wanted to be in life, they never said, no, that's not possible. That's so amazing. And, And the thing like with your mom, it's that voice from our parents so often carries forward. And we have a hard time shutting that off. You know, like the voice in your head that says you're to this, you're not enough of that or Mm -hmm. whatever. People are watching. They're going to think that voice is loud in our heads as we're, we grow up in adults and, you know, and judge ourselves and expect the world is also judging us. So I love, I love that. But now as adults, we talked about in the pre-interview that you do sometimes have an issue with the imposter syndrome. So now you've, you've kind of gone backwards a little bit for some reason. So how did that, I mean, where is that coming from that? I became a mom. How do you think that that correlates? Cause I know a lot of people right now in our age, cause we talk a lot in Hey Mama. And there's a lot of us that are like, they're going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. They're going to fire me. They're going to, you know, it's not going to work, whatever. Because before I became a mom, I wasn't responsible for anybody financially. Mm-hmm. I was responsible for myself. I mean, my husband and I were responsible for ourselves and that was it. There wasn't that added fear. pressure and fear, fear now having to be responsible for two little people. My decisions now just don't affect me. They affect them. So it's, you know, I can't continue to fly off the seat of my pants with my choices because I've got two other people that it also affects. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I can honestly say that that's where that fear started to come in. And I started to become more cautious and I started to have that fear of, you know, what, what happens when this all, if this all ends, you know, what happens if I make the wrong choice, you know, what, what do I do next? And then with that comes, which I've had these conversations with friends that do the same thing that I do. It's like, I didn't 
I didn't finish school. So it's not like I can go and get a job, get a corporate job because everything says college degree. Granted, I have all the experience that you could possibly think of, Yeah, but I don't have that paper. Yeah. So there, and that's where, where in my twenties where I was like, and everyone kept telling me, you don't need it. Cause I kept saying, no, you know, I should, I should go back to school. And everybody would be like, you don't need it. Like you don't need it. Mm-hmm. And now where, you know, I'm a mom and a business owner and, you know, it's risky to be a business owner. And even during the pandemic when there is no live show. Yeah. Yeah. There, there hasn't been live shows and, and I knock on wood every day. Luckily we've been able to do TV and we've been able, you know, to get by, but those, those fears set in, they start to set in and they start to play in your head. And then it's really hard. It's really hard to, to take it back and just go back to that Fearless. fearless fearlessness yeah. where you didn't care. You know, you just didn't care because it was just you. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And so when it when you do have the fear creeping in, then someone else is controlling your life. They're going to see me, which is going to cause this to whole fall down because you and your husband are business partners. So it's not like he's out there doing X and you're over here doing this and he can carry nope. the boat. This is the whole this is a family business. Literally, you're yeah, this both is, doing it. This is a ship. Yeah. And <laughs> it's a ship with, you know, two crew members doing all the work. And if the ship sinks, we all drown. So it's it's one of those, it's a little bit different in the sense that I think a lot of the pressure would be alleviated if one of us wasn't wasn't dependent upon the business. Yeah. But we both are. And we've made it 10 years on our own. That's you know, crazy. not yeah working for anybody else but ourselves and I mean you've heard me say in my in in my meetings where I I also like will look at job openings here and there where yeah because it's it's exhausting it's exhausting to to run a business it's exhausting to be a parent it's you know sometimes working for someone else and check doing, in and check out. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and I don't care what else happens. Cause it's, it's not, not mine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that sometimes sounds so great, but then I realized that I have so much freedom. Yeah. I have so much freedom. I can be with my kids, choose how, I, however I want to be with my kids. My kids come to work with us. They're a part of everything we do. Sometimes I toy with it. And then sometimes I'm like, no, I could never trade that in. Cause I know, I mean, you have long days. I mean, can you tell everyone, like, what do your days look like? Cause this is a big business. This is a big thing. You have a lot of eyes in the entertainment industry looking at you to produce. And, And then not only once you produce, then you have millions of eyes watching what you just did. So like, there's a lot yes. riding on you creating basically. So what does that day look like? So what it looks like, it's, they're intense. They're intense days. When we get a project, the boys know, okay, mom and dad. I think it's funny because, you know, everyone during the pandemic was figuring out what to do with their kids while they were working from home because he and I have always worked around our kids. That wasn't an issue for us they know, like if I say we're working or we have clients coming for a meeting, they'll stay in the room the entire time till they don't hear any voices and they'll come out. Mm-hmm. You know, they feed themselves. So they, I, we've been lucky in that sense that they know, but as soon as we get a project, they know, okay, well, mom and dad are gonna are working really long hours. Our oldest now, because he's more aware, he'll say, what time did you guys go to bed last night? We'll be like, oh, you know, like four. Sorry, Max. He's like, wow. you guys have to, you guys have to take care of yourselves better. <laughs> like you guys have to go to bed at an earlier time. He he starts to worry about us. But yeah. we work about when we're in it, fully in it, about to deliver. It's 17, 18 hour days. Wow. When we were loading in one of the residencies we did in Vegas, I I just remember everyone asking me, how was it outside? I, I never saw the outside. Stop. I was in 
the dark venue <laughs> for hours upon hours. I remember one time I had I went backstage and I had to go outside to go to the backstage area. I didn't realize how hot it was outside. <laughs> and I had already been there like five days. So oh I went God. outside and I was like, oh my God, it's really hot. And all the crew members looked at me like I was crazy. But what they, they don't realize is I hadn't left the venue. Right. And I mean, I would leave to go get food and we we eat at our desk. I mean, that's the other thing is we leave to go get food, but you eat at your desk because right. as you're rehearsing and you're playing back things, you're realizing, oh, that part doesn't look good here. So let's move it around. Let's switch it around. Let's fix it. Oh, you know, that piece looks great. Let's try it again for this other piece. And so you're constantly changing and you're constantly moving things. And we were changing the show even after it premiered. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think we were solid with the show probably after week three. And you're not allowed to tell me which one that was. Christina. I honestly didn't know that spritz and essential oils could be sexy, but I have to tell you, when you receive these bottles of calm the F down, go the F to sleep and rise the F up, you are going to be like, how, how is this essential oil so sexy? These bottles are amazing. The go the F to sleep is literally this beautiful, opaque black bottle spritzer, and it is made with essential lavender oil and lemon essential oils and it is going to put you right to sleep spritz that on your pillow go over right now you need thurhappy.com everything's in the show notes everything's on my social media pages get 20 percent off using code meredith 20 after that sign up for the subscribe and save and get 15 percent off you are going to love these oils. This is not your home goods oils. This is not your drug store, you know, whatever. These are handmade by a certified master flower essence therapist. You're going to thank me. So when you're doing all of this background stuff, do they have like a stand-in that's pretending or playing the music so that you can visualize all of it coming together? Or does she actually have to be there singing How does that work so you know what it looks like when it's all coming together? There's a creative director that oversees the entire show. And the creative director for the show is also the choreographer. And so he, I always say, when he is Christina, because he always, whatever artist he does, he becomes that artist for staging and for tech rehearsals. And he is so good at it <laughs> that even the drink of water that the artist takes, uh-huh. he times that. Really? He knows when they're going to stop to take a drink of water so that we all know what's happening at every point of the show while we're wow. watching the rundown. And I always laugh because when then, she, you know, the artist will come in and do the tech rehearsal and I'll be like, oh my God, they did the water at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so and that always gets me that right. that is the one thing that always gets me because I'm always curious to see if is he's got it and he's got it like he has got it like the mannerisms, everything, everything. So we watch the rundown with the creative director. Rehearsals are recorded and sometimes we'll get a, a recording of the rehearsal so that we can then watch it back and make changes. Um, I'm I'm usually the one that watches everything and then I come back up and give the entire team notes. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to have one person watching everything while everyone is still working because we're still finishing. I mean, right. what people don't realize is that you can make one change, like the most minuscule change, but to render out that whole movie can take four hours just because you changed one little thing so it's so tedious. I'm known I'm known for letting my clients know listen we're heading towards a speak now or forever hold your peace moment <laughs> so I will not be able to render this movie out in right. time for the show so speak now or forever hold your peace and I won't be able to address this till tomorrow mm-hmm. and you know 
they laugh whenever I say that because right. they know they are they automatically know that whatever they want to change is just not going to happen because yeah. it'll take too long. Yeah. You know? Now, is this when you're talking about this, is this like a lot of the digital light work that is creating movies in the background? The so, explosions that are digital, like those are all. Yes. I mean, so anything that plays on the LED is yeah. created by us. Wow. That's so amazing. Anything that you see, like any video, like for the experience, we produced and shot a lot of a lot of the content ahead of time. We shot we had a full 18 hour shoot day where we shot the dancers in different costumes, different makeup and in different what we call vignettes that we were able to use as video for different songs. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a whole day shooting with the dancers, the content that we used for some of the songs. Yeah, it's I mean, it's just unbelievable what goes into it. And we probably think, oh, it's just video that they're throwing up there. And it's nope. All no, of that is pre-done. All of it. It's every completely, piece. I mean, it, it, it actually really just depends on the creative director. Like we do have some shows where we're, we're allowed to come up with the ideas. There are some shows where, you know, the, the lighting director is responsible for the LED content. And oh. so the lighting director will call us and say, hey, I need seven songs. These are the songs. Artists thinks they should be like this, 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 this you interpret them. And so then we figure out what fits. There are some creative directors that build an entire show from act one to act three, the story, the colors, everything is, everything is on purpose. Nothing is left to chance. Like it is a full on theatrical, it's a full on experience. Yeah. That and, happens. And so you do, okay. So you did the residency for Christina Aguilera in Vegas, you do TV. And sometimes you said you don't even know what you're working on. It just kind of here work on this. And then you you don't know it until you you see it on television, basically. So that just happened with (laughs) the TV show on HBO Max called Legendary. We got a call telling us there's this new HBO show. It's ballroom dancing, which I didn't know it was ballroom dancing houses, underground LGBTQ movement, ballroom dancing. I thought ballroom dancing, dancing with the stars. Right. Because I didn't know, I didn't know the term. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. And then, you know, it's like, we have different houses that are competing and these are their names. And I, I want you to do your, just do your thing sent us one of our pieces as a reference. I want you to do your thing like you did with this. Here's the footage. Here's the song. Put it together. And so like six months later, the show premieres. And I'm like, what Wait a minute. in the heck? That's, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> and it's the funniest reaction because everyone we know was going crazy over the show because the show was just, it was well done. It was so different. It was just really entertaining. And so I was like, wait, we did that show. And the people will then, you know, our agent will be like, so you worked on that show? And I was like, yeah, but I didn't know it was that show when we worked on that show, you know? So it totally, that. that is so crazy. Well, I have, I have my own fun sh- story about not knowing, but my husband went to with my daughter to go buy a Christmas present for me. And they went to the local, it's called Marcus. It's that show Mm -hmm. that guy Marcus owns it from the TV show, the prophet. Anyway, that's the long story. So they had like a pop-up of a jewelry designer there. And so there was this huge photograph of Lady Gaga at the end of the movie, a star is born wearing the blue dress when she's singing the song after he had passed spoiler alert and the earrings that she had worn in the movie. And so the jewelry designer was explaining to my husband, they came, they asked for jewelry. She doesn't know what it goes to. Same thing. You have no idea where it's headed. And she goes to the movie theater and Lady Gaga is wearing the jewelry that she designed. And she about shit herself right there in the middle of the movie theater because she had no idea. And so they, they borrowed the earrings and, and oddly enough, they brought them back. And so my husband asked, well, do you know 
which pair were borrowed. And she said, no, because we didn't know what they were going to. So we didn't put them aside as being important. Didn't matter. They were, who knew where they were headed? You know, why, why would I save them? So my husband did all this really cool thing. And so I put the earrings on. And as soon as I put the one on, it fell right out of my ear. It had the wrong back. So those were it. I go, Jim. And then I pulled both out and one has the normal back that's big. And one was probably some assistant grabbed an earring, shoved it on, returned the earrings. I'm like, Jim, these are the freaking earrings from the movie. Because why would they have two separate backs if it came from the designer that way? These were returned from. So that is my amazing story of holy crap. You never know. But it ha- I mean, it's it's too cool. Yeah, it it definitely is. I mean, that I mean, and that that was actually I think that was like one of the first times that happened to us. And mm-hmm. now I've gotten to the point where I ask a little bit more questions when I get calls for jobs yeah. because it, it, it helps to know or else you miss when it airs. We almost missed that one, not realizing what it was. So, so amazing. So I asked you to put together some questions that I'm allowed to ask because I know you guys have no idea this woman's life is she's, she's a walking DNA. That's the word, right? DNA. Is that it? No, that's dead on arrival. What are you? Is it? No, do not. What is it? What do you sign? NDA. NDA. (laughs) Non-disclosure agreement. She's a walking non-disclosure agreement. So we have to be so mindful of the things that we talk about. Because believe me, if I had my druthers, I'd ask her 100,000 different questions. But these are the ones we are allowed to discuss. So you did just tell me that you went to your first concert when you were six. But what was it? It was Parchis, a kid's band from Mexico. And now when you went to that... Were you like, I have to be a part of this? Or were you already really into music? I was already really into music. Like at that point, I was obsessed with Boy George. And I kept telling my parents that I needed him to come over so that we could have dinner together. Clearly. And I would ask my parents constantly, like what it would take to have Boy George come over for dinner. And I I even eavesdropped one time, my dad asking my mom, has she asked about you know, his way of dressing. And my mom's like, no, no, not even an issue. Never, nope, never crossed her mind. I just thought he was so cool. I mean, I thought, man, like he's so lucky. He gets to play dress up every single day of his life. And now he lives in, I think sometimes in Southern California with Dorit from the housewife. So I, I worked on something that he was at and I usually do not like, there's been a few moments where I've screamed inside <laughs> or have like completely, you know, cause I am like, I'm a huge You're music a fan. fan. So, right. and so I have to suppress that part of me having to work in, in the business. And so when we, we worked on an 80s show and we did the screens for Billy Idol and I did the screens and we did the screens for, why can't I remember their name? They sing the song Shout. What is their name? Uh, oh my God. I can't think of it. I, I, I just had it. So Boy George was there and I was backstage and he was standing like right next to me. And I remember telling my husband, he's behind me. And mm. you go, okay, we'll say hello to him. I can't. But why can't you say hi to me? Because he's Boy George. <laughs> like, I not, did not say a word. You didn't? No, I couldn't. It's Boy George. I mean, uh, we're going to have to tag him in his social media post and let him know that you're dying to meet him and that he was your first kind of music the crush. The four-year-old in me was just not, Frozen. you know, was just going crazy. And then the concert that I really do remember where I said, this is what I want to do for a living was when I saw New Kids on the Block. And I was, I want to say I was nine and I was in shock. I, I didn't move. I just watched the entire show with my mouth open. It's really like, I couldn't, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe what was happening. Like I just, the experience. It just, yes. And, 
And, and to this day, I can go to a show and it doesn't matter how jaded I am because I know how everything works and how everything is put together. I still become a fan. that kid every single show I go to because I am just like in awe because it takes a lot to put on these the shows, oh. a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of planning. And to have to do something different from what everyone else is doing and to, to sort of break the envelope open every single time and to be new and refreshing and to give your fans a different experience every single time is incredibly hard. And so I just am always in awe, like yeah. always. Like, oh my gosh, how'd they come up with that? By the way, the shout is Tears for Fears. There I we just, go. That's who it is. <laughs> I just Googled it while you were talking. <laughs> Tears for Fears. Tears yes. for Fears. So now that we're out of COVID, I was just in Nashville enjoying every drop of live music that I could. I did get to see Kid Rock perform live. And Morgan Wallace performed live, which was really cool at a bar. So that was kind of amazing. So what shows are you looking forward to this coming getting out of COVID moment? I am looking forward to, I want to see Bad Bunny. I want to see Jay Balvin. I want to see Becky G. I want to see so many people. Um, I, I would love to see Coldplay again. Mm-hmm. They just did a live on TikTok the other day. I think it was yesterday. Yes. Yeah. I saw parts of it. And the content company that works with them, we they worked on they worked on the residency with us as well. They're called North House and they're in England and they're phenomenal. So I just, you know, Billie Eilish is mm. someone I'm dying to see. So talented. I mean, there's just so many. So, so many. So I know many. we're all dying to get out there again. It's just going to be so great. People are going to just, you're going to have so much business. You're not going to know what to do with yourself. <laughs> knocking on wood. I'm knocking I on wood. Yes. So I have to ask you, what are the best shows that you have been to? And when you went on them and watched them, did you do the work for them? Okay. So the best show that I've been to, Kanye West. Really? I saw Kanye West about, I don't know, I want to say maybe four, five years ago. Mm-hmm. His stage was built by this amazing production designer that I hope in the near future of my life and business will get the opportunity to work with her. her name is Ez Devlin. And so she, his stage hovered over the audience. Was that that big cube? It was like a big, it was like a big platform. Oh, the that platform. Just, yeah. It had all the lighting around it and underneath it. And he hovered over the audience and performed. There wasn't any screens. Most people think that I have, that I have a, a bias towards having LEDs because that's my business. I sometimes feel that you don't need them all the time. Mm-hmm. And so his show, he didn't, he didn't need that to create the experience. It was just an experience to see the massive amounts of people underneath the stage, this incredible lighting. I mean, just incredible lighting and him just hovering back and forth over was just, I, I both my husband and I were like, surreal yeah that one the other one was Adele Adele also an Ez Devlin show oh really yeah see something in your future I mean clearly we're sending this out into the universe right now (laughs) (laughs) and Adele was incredible because she's a vocalist and she didn't need dancers she didn't need any of that she just had beautiful lighting her voice and the way they used the screens was incredible. Just, I was in complete awe of that. And the third show would be Justin Timberlake. I saw Justin Timberlake. I saw him with Jay-Z at the Hollywood Palladium, which mm. is a small nightclub. When his, his album came out, he had this special show in LA. I went to it and it was incredible. He's so talented. 
so talented. He is, he is. And neither three of those shows are artists that I have worked with, but well, maybe someday. No, very we'll soon. With. It's happening. Yes, exactly. What show were you most excited to work on that you're allowed There's to talk so about? So Sting. Sting did halftime for the NBA All-Star Game in oh, Toronto. Wow. And I love the police and I love Sting. And I just remember sitting in the audience and watching the show and I started crying. And I didn't, and I was crying because I couldn't believe that I was there, that I was living that moment. That when you think about the things that you want to achieve in your life, you think about them and you dream about them and, and you hope for them to happen. Yeah. And when you're faced with the reality of them having happened and you're living this life, I just, a part of me couldn't believe it. But then, you know, I started crying because I was just so happy that this is my life. This is what I get to do. And not everyone gets to do what they love. Not everybody loves what they do. And so for me to have that opportunity and for me to be able to live that out was really overwhelming watching that show. And I, I remember texting my mom and thanking my mom and telling my mom, mom, I can't believe this. Like, this is my life. And my mom's reply was, you've been working for this moment your entire life. Your whole life. And it was that come together synergy moment of realization. I mean, I, it's, it's, it is really breathtaking. I mean, cause like you said, you, you came, you come Latina and you don't, you didn't see people in the business and then all of a sudden you did and you, you got to use that person as your mentor. And it's just, it's really a coming together, coming of age, coming into your own moment and I know that everything moving from this place is going to be so amazing because I know people, I know you are pushing yourself every minute of every day, not only to do the work, because a lot of this, like you, you know how to do the work. It's this inner stuff now that we're all working on. It's the, okay, now I know how to make the cake, but now I have to show everybody the cake. Now I have to get out there and sell the cake. You know what I mean? And so- You've got the secret sauce of what you're capable of doing. You've got the resume, you've got the everything. And so now it's about as women, as, as entrepreneurs about believing in ourselves and saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I always tell people use hindsight to have the confidence for the future. I always look back and go, okay, I've been on this earth for 48 years. I'm still here. I've been making either a rent or a mortgage payment for 30 some years. I've never missed one. So I'm going to use that kind of energy that, that I know I can do this ability moving forward and get out of fear. You know what I mean? And so I hope that you do that because I know that what's going to be happening for you when we really own who we are and we're not afraid of it, we're not apologizing for it. We don't want to make ourselves small to make everyone else feel bigger. Cause I know that both you and I, we both deal with that. And yes. I love to be around. I love being around you and in our group where we talk about these types of things, because without talking about them, we do feel that it's just us. We're the only ones who feel nervous. We're the only ones. Everyone else has it figured out. Everyone else is successful. Everyone else doesn't worry. And it's so nice to connect with women, especially women like you, a woman like you who is successful, who does know how to make the cake and go, oh, wait, we're very, we're going through the same thing, but we will get through it together as a team. Exactly. It has helped me a lot to hear that other people go through the same motions that I'm going through, the same questions I ask myself, the same, the fear of putting yourself out there. The, for so many years, I always made myself smaller to give other people the opportunity. And in the last three years, 
I've, we've stopped doing that as a yeah. company. Cause we would, we would let other people shine. This for us was about getting the work, right. you know? So we didn't care who got the credit. We didn't care. Just, we're getting the work. We're doing what we love. It doesn't matter. And in the last three years, we've been in a synergy of with the people we're working with who have been giving us the credit. Yeah. Have been saying, wow, these guys, they're the ones that have made it. They're the ones that are doing the work. They're the ones that made this possible. Yeah. And it sort of changes your perspective. And I'm getting closer to a place where I'm ready to put myself out there. It's just, you know, you have those moments where you, yeah, you're just like, what happens when I put myself out there? You know what? I, w- I would recommend watching Dolly Parton's. It's a documentary on Netflix. And it really changed my perspective about being a star, putting yourself out there. Why I would totally recommend any, especially females that that are that are reaching for the stars and have been reaching for the stars and still are working to reach for the stars and and being comfortable in that she really had a comfort when everyone was making fun of her waist and her boobs and her hair and her blue eyeshadow and you know her long fingernails she owned it and she owned it and gave zero shits about what any and and to watch that documentary it allowed me as a female to go wait a minute, this doesn't make me a bad person. This doesn't make me an egomaniac. This doesn't make me make someone else small by making my, there's enough of the pie to go around. So any woman that's out there that is having the imposter syndrome or is worried about being too big or too weird or too different, I would say to absolutely, besides listening to this podcast, is to go um, watch that that Dolly Parton because she she knows what's up. She knows who she is and has that Adriana twenty one year old energy of I'm going after your job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that, like we all need a little bit of that fire. In hey, us. my, you know, it's funny. My son is obsessed with Dolly Parton. Oh. Uh, yeah, my he's also very offended when kids his age don't know who she is and then he has to (laughs) explain it good for him he i I mean he just absolutely loves her music and loves her as an artist and so i i that that just brought it all together for me because i've always been like where did he get the dolly parton from what is attracting him to her and so yep he just needs his mama to go watch the show so that she can find her inner fire. And, you know, I always tell people too: any decision made in fear, it's not going to bring out that full God self, you know, try to get to love, get to that gut, get out of your head, get out of your heart, the emotion. What if get out of your head, negative talk, go to the gut when you're getting ready to make a decision and know who you are, put that right hand on your stomach and be like, Oh, wait, there's my courage. Okay. And, you know, I always tell people too, like, there's everyone's got fears, but, but just about being courageous and putting ourselves out here. This isn't comfortable for everybody, but you, you've got the secret sauce. You're doing it. You're doing it. And there's a lot of people, Latinas, Latinos that are watching you, your kids, especially that are like, okay, there, I can do that. I can do that. Now I see that person over there looks like me, sounds like me, et cetera. And, and you're, you're setting the standard for what, we as women can do as people of color can do. And, you know, the Brown community, the black community, females, and I love you for it. I, I love Thank being you. around you. I love being in our group together Thank you. Stay and I appreciate here. it. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing, Meredith. Well, you're giving th- us all a platform <laughs> and a voice and making us really look at ourselves the way we should be seeing ourselves. And thank well, you for that. I think that you're awesome. And I say after this, your next stop is going to be like the Today Show or Good Morning America or something fantastic. And then to work with all, you need to make a list of everyone that you want to work with and just put it on a board so you can just start checking it off. I have one. It's in my altar. It's been a list I've had for four years. I so love far, it. four of those names have already happened. So, <laughs> yes. 
Well, I, I so appreciate you being here and your company, Mad you. Man Inc. is unbelievable. I never thought that I would meet someone or talk to someone who actually knows Gwen Stefani and Madonna. I'm a little breathless, but that's okay. You know, this is what I want you to look at it. You make me more important because I know you who knows all of these people. So you are actually lifting me up. So you don't need to be small by knowing you. I am large. I am bigger because of you. So know the energy and use that energy moving forward because it is absolutely the truth. And I hope you have the best week. And I just cannot wait to meet again with Tara and, and talk and please stay connected with me. I, I love. Definitely. Watching. Thank you so much, Meredith. All right. You have a good one and we will talk to you, my love. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.